had to get reacquainted with PowerPoint last night. I forgot how to run the program and where everything was located. It's been a little while. We're back. If you see me pause when I come up here a lot of times and I, I have this strange look, uh, I pause before I start preaching. Uh, I'd like to explain why, or at least a lot of times, the reason why. Um, I like to do my own illustrations. I, I don't like, I mean, sometimes I do like a historical thought to open up, but usually I like to use my own illustrations, things that have happened from my life. And, and sometimes I wonder if you guys think, he's only 46, that, that many weird things can't have happened to him. No, they, they're all true. I might exaggerate them, but they're all true. Um, uh, and so, and so, um, so as I'm as I'm preparing my sermon throughout the week, I'm trying to think of something. I don't like using other people's things. I don't want to get up here and say, "So uh, you know, this thing happened to Mike. It was really, it was really great." You know, I'm not going to use Mike's illustrations. I used to use my own. Um, and, and for the most part, not always. Uh, I get my my sermon printed off, and it's sitting up here for me. I print it off Thursday and put it up here, and it's it's sitting here waiting for me unless someone steals it at some point during the service before I get up here, uh, which has happened a few times. But but my sermon's sitting there, so I get up here uh, and I'm, I look at my first line, and and something's happened between Thursday and and when I get up here, and I'm like, how was that connected to my topic? I'm not quite sure. I'm gonna, so it takes me a little while sometimes to go, I'm not sure what I was thinking there. Um, what's happened is in the, in the course of, of preparing something, I had a thought which led me to this thought, which led me to this thought. And my, my thoughts kind of go that way. And I'm way over here. And at the time I'm writing it, it makes perfect sense. And then I'll get up here. I'm like, I'm going to have to retrace this here in the, in the next like 30 seconds. You know, dead silence and all that. My thoughts wander. Right? You ever have your thoughts wander? You just kind of go from one thing to the next, and you don't know how you got there. Uh, we do that in conversations. You're like, what were we talking about? How do we get to here from there? Uh, a lot of times when we, we wander in our thoughts, I don't know about you, but uh, when I wander in my thoughts, I actually wander, like, physically. Uh, and uh, Katie will catch it because she knows me now. I'm, on, I'm, like, I'm supposed to be looking for something in the house. And I'm thinking about something, and she can tell I'm not really there, and I'm just kind of pacing through the house. I don't know what I'm look, doing or looking for, but I'm thinking something. She's like, what are you thinking about? I'm thinking about this thing over here, and I'm just wandering the house. Like, I, I feel like, you know, it's, it's like, a, like animals in a zoo where they have like their little thing. They go around, and, and they do their little circuit. And that's me, until I've done thought what I'm thinking and then I can get back to life as normal. Our thoughts wander. And we wander. And we do this spiritually. You ever had a period of your life where you just kind of seem to be wandering? There's kind of, I'm doing things, I'm going in a circuit, and I'm, I'm doing all the things that seem to be to a neutral observer, like I am, uh, I'm, active and I'm going through a circuit and unless you know me really good you know you, you're like that person is wandering he looks like he's going you know we, we get up we go to church and we, we sing the songs and we listen to what we do but all the religious things we, we are involved in this activity we're doing all the things that seem to be 
functioning, but we're just kind of going in a circuit and we're, we're wandering. Now, after a while, you might snap out of it and go, man. But Paul gives us a brief list of ways to snap out of it. Ways to get our mind right. A way of focusing. Because if our mind is right, it will keep us from wandering spiritually. And we're going to, to look at our text. This is Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. You probably memorized this as a kid at camps or something. Um, or you're well acquainted with it. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is audible, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. And we're only going to get to half of these today. Uh, I could have probably just squeezed them all in and, and, and done a shotgun, uh, but I, I kind of want to slow down a little bit and, and look and break down some of these concepts because they're so important for us. And, and it's like some of those look redundant, and some of those I don't understand what that means. And so we want to look at these things. The Bible doesn't really have a lot of redundant information. The details are important. When we, when we look at this list of things, this talks about what we think about, what you meditate on, what, what's going through your mind. The first thing that comes to mind is, well, we're supposed to think about the Bible. That's true. But this is a lot deeper than that. It implies that the things on a daily basis that are going through our mind, we need to have this checklist. Are they meeting these things? Our, our lives really are based on equations. There's, there's a, a bunch of factors that go into these equations. The thought processes that you have that, uh, that, that determine the way you live. It really boils down to the information inside. It is more than just the Bible. It includes the entertainment. It includes our courses of study. It includes your worldview, just the way you were taught up to, to interpret the world. It includes your life philosophies. And God says, all these things, all this this, this information, this package of information needs to exhibit these things. And so we're going to look at the first four today. And he begins, well, what is true? And it really has, boils down to two things. Absolutes. Is the first thing I want to talk about. The most important aspect of the information, I find it interesting that he, he puts this first. He puts this first. It must be true. The most important aspect of any information is its accuracy. Information, I don't care what it, it, it accomplishes, 
I don't care what it does down the road. I don't care any of that. The most important aspect of information is, I mean, the value of information is in whether it's accurate or not. Is it true? Now, lives lived based on faulty premises will eventually show that they are the error, that they, through their practical application, give you an illustration of this. Uh, a preacher in our congregation uh, was a engineer. He was a, a technician type engineer. He was a self-taught engineer in a, in a metal plant where they made um, they made valves and other things. But he had a, a vacuum cleaner salesman come to his door. He's like, all right, well, I'll sit down and you know, help you out, or whatever. So so he, he comes and and the guy's giving his spiel, and uh, he says, uh, this is these. These pipes are made of titanium. Now, Paul's an engineer. He says, that's not titanium. No, the book says it's titanium. Paul's a pretty hefty guy. Uh, was, uh, anyway, and uh, when he was younger. It says, uh, this is not titanium. Yes, it is. Are you sure it's titanium? Yes, he put it on the floor <clears throat> and bent it. This is the hand in the back that says, this is not titanium. Titanium doesn't do that. I work with titanium. The guy goes, you're going to have to pay for that. He's like, tell you what, you go back, talk to your boss, and we'll talk about false advertisement. You can call me up. There you go. There's your titanium pipe. If you are building and applying faulty information, it's going to come out at some point in time that that information is inaccurate. And, and Paul here, when he talks about building and, and, and thinking about things that are true, he, he gives us an assumption that we don't, our world does not want to accept. It is a built-in necessity that there is a thing called absolute truth. Otherwise, Paul wouldn't tell us that those are the things that we are supposed to think about. There is a thing called absolute truth. There is black and white. There is right and wrong. And that's that. Paul says, think about things that are true. First and foremost, the number one quality characteristic of information in our head is that it must be true. There is not truth for me and truth for you. There's truth. It might apply differently in different circumstances, but it is true. Two people cannot disagree about something and both be correct. They can both be partially correct. One can be right and one can be wrong. They can both be wrong. There might be a third option. We talked about that a while ago. But they cannot both be right. Statistical impossibility. But we live in a world that likes gray. We live in a world that likes nuance. We live in a world that wants everything to be relative and subjective. God says, nope. Think on things that are factually correct. We must be then equipped to analyze those facts. Because... Not everyone has truth. In fact, most people that we listen to, 
will be wrong. I will be wrong from time to time. Because I'm human. And so we have to be equipped to analyze. And this is where we get into the scriptures. We have to be equipped to analyze and compare this. We must begin with the premise that this will never be wrong. Are you, can you say that? This will never be wrong. I don't care what science says. This will never be wrong. Think on things that are true. Have the control group to compare. This is the control group in your, in your, in among all the studies of things. This is the one that you analyze and use as a basis for interpretation. This is where worldviews should be developed from. We tend to, and this is a proven thing, we tend to readily accept sources of information that confirm what we already believe. We just do that. Well, I like this study. I like this poll. I like this thing. I like that. Why? Because I already agree with that. That's the way we do things. We reject sources of information that disagree with the things that I've already come to accept. And that is a poor way to analyze and evaluate. So the first thing, think on things that are true. Think on things I have. It says honorable. Depends on your version. I said noble. as uh, a different version. I'll tell you why uh, as we conclude, why I picked this word. And I want to focus on this one as we kind of, as we close this, this first section up. But he says that the word here is honorable. It's probably a really great or dignified is the concept. The things that we think should bring honor <clears throat> to those who think about it. Moral excellence. Dignity. Right? Is dignified. Sometimes the information that we absorb we know is inappropriate. How do you then absorb it? Well, we talked, uh, I think last week, the week before, we talked about, you know, the week before, talking about rationalization. And we come up with uh, a, a quick rationalization for this, and we, der- we, we, it's one word, it's called okay. Well, this is okay. It's okay. I can see why this is okay. I was watching this thing or listening to this guy or whatever the, the thing is that we're taking in. It's okay because it's some good, right? It's okay. But if I ask you, was that good? <laughs> well, right? we have to head. I can accept this if it's okay. Okay. Was it excellent? Was it excellent? Was it dignified? 
That's a different question. See, see, the higher we raise that bar, there's more hesitance, isn't there? But I can do it if I can convince myself that it's okay. Lower the bar so that I can clear it. Now, sometimes it's not so clear. I'm going to be quite honest with you. Some things we know, and the people around us know, that it's not morally excellent. So how do you get it? Even I mean, there are some things that just we know intrinsically this is inappropriate or this is wrong or whatever. So what do we have to do? We have to change the language. We change the language and we then rephrase things so that it sounds good. And we use a dignified or an appeal to a moral uh, excellence of sorts and convince people that this is good. Let me give you some examples. We, you will hear these words around you all the time. And in and of themselves, these words are great words. And if there was nothing to go along with this, we would assume then that these are great concepts. Even biblical concepts. But the world uses words like diversity. Great word. And in and of itself is a wonderful concept. Compassion was a scriptural concept. Tolerance. We hear these words, but they are used as a good word to contain an idea so often that it's not only wrong, but it's diametrically opposed to the definition of the word itself. What do you mean? Well, here's the test of nobility. Does it elevate me? People so often who demand tolerance are the least tolerant people you will meet. People who claim diversity show quite a tendency to exclude quite frequently. People preach compassion, but they are quite quick to judge and harshly. You see, the word is nice, The concept is great, even biblical, but it is used like a Trojan horse to get something in past our mind, get it in here where we can think about it and adopt it and accept it when it is really what's inside of it is not a godly thought. It is not. So so we think about things that are true and we think that about things that are noble, but make sure that the, the substance of what you are taking in really is noble. That it really, down the road, does elevate the person who is thinking about it. The third one. Whatever is just. Whatever is just. Kind of a vague reference. What does this mean? It's the actually the same word as the word righteous. And it can mean fair or impartial. And it always has this concept kind of with reference to other people. 
is the idea. It's, and it was kind of funny because I was reading all these commentaries, and they always, every commentary was talking about how we, how we act impartially and, and, and all these various things, but, but that's not what this verse is talking about. This, this verse here talks about what we think about. Now, no one's addressing what the text actually says. What does this mean to think about things that are just? Well, acts of injustice begin with thoughts. You have to get yourself there somehow. Right? So many philosophies center on personal justice. Vendettas, my rights, revenge. We have to get ourselves there mentally before we can do the thing. So, what are my thoughts about how could how could a deep religious section of the country how, I mean a, a deeply religious section of the country come to the conclusion that it is okay to own other people. I mean a area of the country that claimed Christianity. How do you get there from there? <clears throat> it has to do with how you think and how you evaluate. You have to have a fair evaluation. Our Constitution, once codified, or at least a, a, a judge's version of it, codified that, that certain people were only three-fifths of a human. That's how you do it. You, you codify something incorrectly. The information is not just. And so you begin with an inequitable thought process. What is convenient for me financially? When the first ship with 20 slaves arrived in the United States in the early 1600s, someone said, this will be convenient financially. Someone had an inequitable thought. This will help me. And so it led to numerous injustices. Before you can act on it, though, you have to get past the scriptures. Every one of these. It's what you think about the scriptures, yes, but also what else you think about. It all connects to this. You have to have a reference point. You have to have some way to evaluate, as we talked about, analysis of what is true, but, but what is just. Christians appropriated scriptures and took them out of context, made them say what they never were meant to say. If you listen closely today, you will hear the scriptures misquoted to promote things that are not just. 
to promote personal things. Is it just? And the fourth one we're going to talk about today. Is it pure? Pure is an interesting concept. It means unmixed. It's actually a form of the same word as holy. It's, it's a, it, has a, it shares a root. It's not the same word. They're not synonyms, but they, they share a root. And holy, we know that means separate. right? Holy meant sacred or separate, put in a special place. So how do you get unmixed from that? <clears throat> well, for that we need to, uh, it was really good this morning, uh, Barry. I, I like going back and, and seeing what some of these original ideas were. And, and sometimes to understand what a New Testament concept is or a New Testament word, we need to go back and look at the culture of what they did. Pure as meaning without mixture, we have to understand the concept of of how this was used. Priests had to mix incense. So we talk about the the Ark of the Covenant, and they they came into this room and they had the the table of the show read over here, and they had uh, uh, various elements, but one of the things they had was altars for incense. They had a candle in there, uh, to give light, but the altar incense, and, and they had to make, I don't know what the recipe was, uh, the, the Bible tells us some of what was in there and, and, and whatnot, but they had to mix it just the right way. And they couldn't add stuff to it, couldn't leave anything out, but they could add stuff to it, because if they did, that mixture became unpure, it became mixed with something that God didn't want. And it became unholy. And that's where the two words, why they're similar. He says, don't think on unmixed things. Or or think on unmixed things. That doesn't make sense to me. Think on something unmixed. What does that mean? Well, we have a tendency to think on stuff that is Mostly good, or partly good, as we talked about. Go ask Nadab and Abihu how that worked for them. Mixing a little bit of something with the incense didn't turn out so good. Our life philosophies and our basis of our decisions are mostly good. Well, if they are mostly good, what have I just said? What have I just said? It's mostly good. A little bit. Not good. It's mostly good. I like, I like the folks on this side. Looks good. Looks good. Bring that to my house. I see Bruce nodding his head. He likes chocolate. Bring that to my house. I make this for company. That was good, Andrew. What's in that? Well, it's a secret recipe. Well, give up. Right. Hold on. You've got to give us the recipe. That was really good. It had a strange aftertaste, though. What's your secret ingredient? There's something in there that was not normal. I mean, it was, it was different. I liked it, but it was, it was just had kind of a funny aftertaste, but I, I really liked it. Well, you know, it's a, it's a secret recipe. It was really moist. 
How did you get that voice? Well, I'll tell you. I, I go out and I, I just take a little dog manure, just a little, and put it in. Hey, right after you vomit <laughs> and punch me, kind of ruin the whole thing. God says, what you think about needs to be unmixed. That is a tall order. That's a tall order. Unmixed. It is all around you. All around you. The world has come up with creative ways to mix stuff in. Oh, last year we, wa- we, had ne- we had past tense Netflix. And with an E. You see that? How do you mess up Anne with Green, Ga- Anne Green Gables? How do you mess that up? They did. They messed it up. Don't know how you do it, but they did it. A little here and a little there. Messed it up. Why? Because we have a thing we want you to think about. And we're going to put it everywhere we possibly can. We're going to put it in your school curriculums. We're going to put it everywhere we possibly can. Think about this. This is what we think you should think about. And we go, "Eh, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. God says, think about things that are unmixed. We talked about the word noble. Why I like that word. Can we end with one one question? Do I think like a child of the king? Do I like that word noble? God has called me to be different because he's invited me to be a member of the royal family. I'm a part of a royal family. And God says, you've got to think a little differently to be a part of this family. We don't think like commoners anymore. I don't think like I used to think. I do not supposed to. Think noble. Elevate what you think about. Begins with truth. Think about truth. Think about what makes people elevated. Think about what is righteous, what is just, what is fair, which does not promote personal agendas. And think about things that are unmixed with the ideas that you used to have, that you used to enjoy and be unmixed. Think like a child of the cake.